0: Welcome to Notes from the Field, brought to you by Noeo Science.
1: How are you doing, Gordon? I'm
0: doing great. Fantastic. I actually uh, went to the doctor today and he said I can start putting weight on my leg. All right. 25% of my body weight. Okay. couple, three days, 25% more. He's into full weight. Nice. So, back in the saddle. That's, uh, yeah, almost. Yeah. So, so you can drive. Yeah, if I if have you're not my lead footed. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I can drive. I just have to put my foot in a sort of secure, stable, but something different than the boot, since that's sort of big and clunky. Gotcha. Anyway, that's great news. Yeah. Excellent. So
1: you have a topic for us. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I love uh, I love talking about how creatures get their energy yeah and me t- I heard me a too. phrase recently yeah it's an, it's an amazing it's you know it's the interface of the inanimate and the animate world or mm-hmm. at least one of them um, and I, I I read a phrase recently that I had never thought of it this way, but one one kind of neat way to think of this for those folks who are more maybe more on the mechanical or engineering side of of science or stem mm-hmm. You know, living things, we we actually cycle mattergy, mattergy. We actually cycle matter. I just combined my two words uh, there. It's sort of, it is. We cycle matter. We often say matter and energy (laughs) is sort of the, you know, you can
0: change matter
1: into energy and energy (laughs) into matter. And I have used them. You
0: fused them. (laughs)
1: Ugh, we we can we cycle matter and and we create energy flow. So right. we have these things moving through us, right? In whatever 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 part of the world we're in, yeah. And so it's neat to think about. It's also a, the kind of the interface between you know chemistry and biology too. Uh, yeah. Just oh yeah. Getting energy into bi- the body.
0: Biology is is very very complex chemistry. We sometimes want to have a disconnect between the two, and it's no. It's actually the more you understand. chemistry, chemistry, the better you understand some of the more intricate and deep physiology of the, of the, of the cell. Yeah. And then on the bigger scale, the whole body. Exactly right. But it's, it's, uh,
1: yeah. So, so I like to paint this picture if you'll, if you'll allow me to uh, give this fun analogy here. So what I, I talk to my students and I say, okay, guys, we're invited to this really fancy dinner. Uh, we've been recognized for our, our, data collection on our recent lab. They thought we did a great job. And so they're honoring us at this dinner. And so we show up to the dinner and it's, it's fancy. Everyone's dressed to the nines. They've got their finest on and we sit down and it's surf and turf steak and lobster. And the, they start serving the steak right away. And and then I'll pick on one student in the class who usually is, has a very good sense of humor. And so I'll say, okay, uh, Johnny here. Uh, no, everyone noticed that Johnny's seat is conspicuously empty. Johnny's not there. And so we're about to dive into our steak and then in prances Johnny and he's looking really self assured showing up late and kind of prances in he's 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 dressed he's dressed like he's supposed to be he's looking good but he sits down and kind of has this sly grin on his face and as we pick up our steak knives and forks we're we're still kind of trying to cope with what's going on here with Johnny Johnny reaches into his vest pocket and pulls out a vial and he pulls out this vial of liquid and screw, unscrews the top and he pours it on his steak and his steak fizzes and bubbles and it dissolves into this goop and then johnny gets this big grin and reaches into his vest pocket again and pulls out this metal straw and he proceeds to slurp down his dinner Mm. and so the analogy being what kind of creature what kind of creature does this type of of um energy consumption and i i like to say it is akin to digesting your food before eating it right which is the opposite of what we do that's and so this is considered very faux pas uncivilized behavior from Johnny right but Johnny was demonstrating what a decomposer might do yeah yeah so, so actually digesting it chemically and then absorbing yeah. all those good nutrients through so the cell fun-
0: membrane particularly the fungi yeah the fungi do that and that is one of my favorite things to describe because we we know that fungi doesn't have a mouth, right? I mean, Johnny had a straw and slurped up the pre-digested matter, but the uh, fungi made out of thin, thin filaments called hyphae, thinner than a hair, way thinner than a hair. And inside the fungal cells, they produce, well, they have the I don't know if you're familiar, those of you who've had high school biology or in high school biology, you know of the Golgi body, and the Golgi body is one of those organelles that buds off uh, these, one of the things that buds off are lysosomes, which are uh, little vesicles full of digestive enzymes. And so these lysosomes then move to the cell membrane of the fungal cell, and then the the lysosome then exocytosis, fancy word for merging. Exporting goods. Exporting goods merges with the cell membrane. So that membrane that used to be the vesicle membrane is now one with the cell membrane. And then just that, that, that sphere now becomes part of the cell membrane and then dumps its digestive enzymes out into whatever it's, trying Growing to digest in yeah like a piece of wood fungus love dead, to grow in their food yeah, a dead dead leaves dead wood as bread. long as there's m- bread fruit that's sitting in a fruit bowl or you know go into a bachelor pad and open up uh the refrigerator <laughs> food that's been sitting there too long the fungi just start to grow through the food and start to digest it and Uh, And then once it's digested outside the fungal filament, the hypha, it then absorbs those pre-digested nutrients. Yeah. So I just think that's really cool. Oh, it's so cool. But then, then taking it a step farther is like once you've got the nutrients inside, you've got to burn it to make energy and use either either to burn it or build with it. And so they've got to take these molecules. We don't want to get into too much detail. I've already kind of
1: no this is good no. get,
0: you know they bring in the molecules and you've got two things you can do with it you can burn it and break it up and use that use the energy of breaking it up and then uh, harness that energy in the form of ATP by literally combusting that m- molecule either glucose or or some other energy molecule fats yeah. or whatever. The bond energy in the molecules actually going to be used in, without getting into cellular respiration and the, all the details actually is enough to generate the little portable batteries that we call ATP. Yeah. But we can also take those nutrients and some of those nutrients might be burned for energy and some might be built with as raw materials for building carbohydrates, uh, or even, um, making proteins. If you,
1: you know, it's all tinker toys. You know, it's the, it's the, re- the recycling repurposing I- department in cell city is remarkably efficient. It, yes. I mean, you can take the
0: basic glucose molecule and either burn it or build with it. And even though glucose doesn't have nitrogen, which you need for proteins, you can, deconstruct it, and then use some of the parts to build parts of the amino acid and then add nitrogen and then build protein. So you can, it's really versatile, just like uh, Legos or Tinker toys. You can break things down, build things up into totally new molecules. Imagine if we had something modular that you could build or eat. Yeah, (laughs) just (laughs) wow. There's one other. You said decomposers, with but there's some animals that do what fungi do. Yeah, and you saw it on the riot in the dance
1: water. Uh, Yeah, you're going to remind me of that bit. Giant water. Oh yeah, the giant. You know, and that question gets asked in my biology class too for students. Yeah, I mean, it's actually.
0: I mean, it's totally different in one sense because it's got a mouth and everything, but it does inject digestive enzymes. Through its beak into the frog, right, and liquefies the frog outside, so it's more like Johnny. It's more like what? Yeah, Johnny, that's that's except, probably except, the closest the closest except, analogy except, to yeah, Johnny. Yeah, ex, except he takes his digestive enzymes and injects them through the straw, right? Are uh, going out going, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a two-way straw. <laughs> <laughs> you got a tube running out. Well done, which dumps dumps it on his steak, and yeah. then liquefies his steak and then sucks it up the other straw.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of varieties or riffs on this decomposition theme. I, I just love the, uh, you know, the, the different scales that we can, at which we can study living things, the organism and the cell are the ones that jump out the most. And Mm -hmm. here we get to talk about both of them. Right. You know, all of these different processes are ultimately happening at the cellular level. Right. And I love that description of, uh, just the, the, the import and export trade across the cell membrane the The shocking mm-hmm. complexity of the molecular machines there, uh, built into the cell membrane and in cell city. Yeah, um, this is this is a rich, a oh, rich yeah. uh, place to to if spend you... time
0: time doing research. Oh, I know, and I've seen in some really high level cell biology textbooks just uh, the complexity of getting things across the membrane. You've got all these different proteins in the membrane that move stuff across, move things in, move things out, uh, whether it's uh, yeah, it's just the transport mechanisms are phenomenally complex. So you know, the more plant- the more you learn, the more you learn, oh. you realize we can describe things at a superficial level, sort of at that high school level, right? And just sort of describe what's happening. We just sort of take it for granted. Well, it just happened. Yeah. But when you get down into the nitty gritty and start unveiling what's going on, the complexity just makes you glaze
1: over. Absolutely. Yeah, I was was reading about a plant that does something similar to this. There mm -hmm. are about, I read, maybe uh, several thousand species of plants that are actually not photosynthetic. Yeah, the um, the saprophytic plants. Yeah, Some are parasitic, some are actual saprophyte decomposers. And the one I was reading about and have been interested in for years because it lives behind my parents' house in in the leaf litter is Indian pipe. Oh,
0: yeah. I loved seeing that. Oh, it's such um, a pretty-
1: Pretty little plant with without a scrap of green in it. Yeah. And just um, lacking photosynthetic pigments completely.
0: But have leaves and flowers and yeah. everything. So white stem, white, whitish leaves. Yep. And um yeah, but isn't that a
1: isn't that pulling nutrients from another plant through yes, the Yes. So they do something More really parasitic. fun. Yeah. So many plant species have this. A mutualistic relationship with what are called mycorrhizal fungi. Mm-hmm. This microscopic fungi that lives in the soil, and they they grow in association with plant roots. They're mm-hmm. often they're often species or family specific, and they help digest things and get things into the plant roots that the plant couldn't get on its own. Right, and then uh, the fungi gets some of the carbs that the plant is making, mm-hmm. and so they have this nice little exchange going. Well, these these. Indian pipe actually they kind of con the fungi a bit, mm-hmm. and they actually they actually steal some of those glucose molecules that another plant has produced, and the fungi has taken the 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 uh, the Indian pipe will actually take those carbohydrates. So more indirectly, than it's fair. yeah, more than it's fair.
0: I mean, it's like it's skimming hey, off the surface. You're sk- yeah, you're you're being subsidized, buddy.
1: <laughs> That's you're, exactly you're right. Not,
0: you're not adding to this little. <laughs> Mutual, <laughs> there's no mutualism here. This plant has done the hard work of photosynthesis, yeah, and uh, the fungus is uh, helping
1: transfer some of those nutrients over to you. Yeah, it's really exploiting this uh, this mutual relationship between two other creatures. Yep. Yeah. So and, and we and a and bunch have of a... others like squaw root, squaw root, and and pine drops. We have a lot of saprophytic plants here in in yeah, the, woods, the northwest, yeah, all over the country, uh, in in forests especially. Right See, they're, that's, they're, they're fun to observe. Yeah. Other, any other decomposers or riffs well, yes, on decomposition you want we, to Well, you know, with fungi, you call it
0: decomposers because, you know, we don't think of it as, I mean, it's a heterotroph. If you've heard that word, a uh, heterotroph can't make its own food. It mm-hmm. has to get its food from a different source. So fungus is a heterotroph, but so is an others. animal. But- we call it a decomposer, if it's a fungus because it's just releasing enzymes in sort of this non-ingestion sort of way. Yeah. But then if it's a giant water bug, we don't call it decomposition. We call it we call it digestion. Right. But I mean, in one sense, at the molecular level, digestion decomposition is the same right. thing. Yeah. We just if it's a what organism's doing it and how, yeah. It's just Changes
1: the way we describe it. Right. No, that's a good. Yes. Yeah, so we have all these varieties of heterotrophy, mm-hmm. parasitism. One decomposition. thing is interesting
0: getting on the more gross side of things uh, <laughs> you got your tapeworms, which are parasites in animal guts, humans, and other animals. And the tapeworm doesn't even bother with a mouth and doesn't, doesn't have a digestive tract because we've done all of that work for it. Yeah. So, or the animal or whatever, if you want to get it more distant from the human. Yeah. <laughs> the like uh, animal tapeworms. has released all these digestive enzymes, right. broken down the food, and then all the tapeworm does just sit in this pre-digested liquid and just absorb. And doesn't even have to expend any energy in making digestive enzymes. Just, just and, and those nutrients just cross the body wall. Right into it. No no head, no mouth ma- no mouth needed. It's got a skolex, like which the, is sort of the ter- the the front terminal end yeah, of the tapeworm, yeah. but doesn't have a mouth or anything.
1: It's like the ultimate sluggard. Just yeah, lays ultimate, there in
0: its food. Accustomed to easy
1: living. Oh man. Wow. <laughs> right. What a bizarre creature. Yeah. I like I like thinking about how you know, you were talking about vesicles and lysosomes in the Golgi body earlier. We have these amazing organelles in, inside of cells, and many of them are surrounded by this, this phenomenal invention. Maybe the most, one of the most brilliant engineering marvels in the molecular world is the phospholipid bilayer. Oh yeah, around all these different organelles and around the cell. And it, the way, I love the way you described the vesicle uh, releasing its contents and becoming reassimilated into that cell membrane. Um, it's, it's one of the, my favorite things to watch is microorganisms feeding, you know, some of those mm-hmm. video micrography. Oh yeah. And, and watching the amoeba. A phagocytosis. Uh, its, yeah. The amoeba sensing its prey and responding either to movement or chemicals, uh, and then engulfing. You engulfing. Know, wrapping those pseudopods around. Exactly. That little paramecium or poor creature.
0: Yeah. Whatever little protozoan it can get its pseudopods around. Uh, Pseudopods are those cellular extensions that look like the amoeba is hugging. (laughs) So it's taking this one blobby arm and another blobby arm around this smaller organism. And then when the two pseudopods touch, they fuse. And of course, we see it from a two-dimensional angle, but it's it's sort of engulfing it on all sides. So there's an in-pocketing of the cell. And the pseudopods go around that cell and then touch, and then that that poor little critter is now totally engulfed inside this amoeba, and once it's engulfed, now what? Yeah, I mean, it's now trapped, but the engulfing
1: doesn't digest it. so what do you have to so you have to get that creature inside the Well, cell. now it is
0: inside, but it's you not need some digestive yeah. enzymes. So you got this- Friends, the lysosome. The lysosome comes up and fuses with that vacuole. What's that vacuole? Just a- Just a food vacuole. Yeah, food yeah, vacuole. Yeah, vacu- so-, so it's now engulfed, this poor little critter. It might still be alive. And then this this lysosome comes up, which is like two round spheres, the food vacuole and the lysosome. And when they touch, the lysosome fuses and sort of- have you ever seen two oil droplets on the surface of the water? Yeah, and so the two oil droplets are touch, and then they go bloop into yeah. one bigger oil droplet. That's yeah. sort of how the two vesicles mm. fuse. They, the lysosome and the food vacuole, and they bloop into one, and then then that then the digestive enzymes are kind of like um, start to liquefy the poor little critter, kind of like the Wicked Witch of the West, you know, I'm melting, I'm melting. Oh, it's, and it it digests that critter and then it can absorb the nutrients right into the cytoplasm of the cell. It's just. Amazing capabilities. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you've seen it under the microscope. Uh, Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. It's it's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, do you have, how are these creatures, how are these creatures, the amoeba, so they, this is a single-celled organism. And it has all the capabilities roughly that, you know, any living thing has. It can do all these different things that we say living things can can do, but it doesn't have a central nervous system. It doesn't have any quote unquote senses. Yeah. How is this creature sensing its prey typically?
0: Well, it's, you know, cell biologists call it signal transduction. So there's basically molecules, say the prey is releasing little chemicals out in the fluid around it. and they bind to receptors on the amoeba and it doesn't have a brain and it doesn't have like, oh, uh, eyeballs and say, hey, there's something over there. But because of the chemicals, it it somehow senses and then those chemicals binding on the membrane will will set up a chain reaction to cause the amoeba to move in that direction yeah. and actually start engulfing. So, we just see it happen and we can call that descriptive biology. Right. But when you actually get down to the molecular, what's going on? Yeah. It gets, I mean, it's the highest level. It's a tremendous amount of work. It's a, a huge amount of work. Yeah. to Figure out what are the chemical chain reactions to get this single celled brainless amoeba moving in the, in the direction. Yes. So, that's what it's called signal. I mean, even one-celled critters can move toward light. Right. That's called phototaxis. Yeah. So somehow they can sense the directionality of the light. Right. With their eye spot, if it's a euglena or something like that. And we go, wow, it's neat that it moves toward light, but how? Right. I mean, I don't even, I haven't even gone into reading the papers. Usually I like to read things that are enjoyable to read.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's a slog. It can be a slog. It's a a slog, especially-
0: when it's a highly specialized paper written for scientists and it's using all of the scientific jargon to explain this incredible activity. Yeah. Incredibly
1: complicated.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, biochemical There's no pathway. Such there is no such thing as a simple cell. Right. Right. All cells are, one time I saw, speaking of the amoeba, one time we were watching it, the whole class was watching it because I had the microscope hooked up to a flex cam. Oh, cool. And so- so the whole the screen up front was the what was under the microscope. So you had your amoeba the size of a beach ball, you know. Mhm. And uh I I remember we had stentor, which is a large one-celled critter. That's one of my favorite. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. They look like a cornucopia or trumpet. Uh that's what stentor means, a trumpet. And they dwarf amoebas. They're they can be Stretched out, they can be two millimeters long. Wow. Whereas the amoeba is somewhere, you know, 0.1, 0.2 millimeters long. And the stentor was attached with its little adhesive end of the cell uh, on some of the scuzz under the microscope slide. I just call it scuzz. (laughs) And this amoeba was creeping up on its foot, the stentor's foot. Now the stentor was like many, 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 many times bigger than the amoeba, but the stalk was very thin. Right. And the amoeba assumed that it could take on the stalk. And did, the amoeba <laughs> forgot to look up. He didn't look up and he started <laughs> wrapping his pseudopods around the stalk. Oh, wow. And uh, thinking, I can take this, you know, this is only a small, but he didn't realize he just had, you know, it was
1: like- Taking on the big toe. It
0: It, it was like, a small little person grabbing the ankles of a, of Goliath. Yeah. And, um, but stentor can contract really suddenly. And when it contracts, the stalk all of a sudden gets very fat. And so this amoeba started to grip it. And then the stentor contracted really fast and got fat. And just, it was hilarious to see the amoeba's pseudopods just get blown off. You know, not, I mean, it, not broken into pieces, not broken but into pushed pieces, off. Of. Just pushed off yeah. because no, you're not well, going to try to. That's really cool. You're not going to try to phagocytose
1: my stalk, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> Nobody phagocytoses my stalk, right? That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. So, so well, watch
1: yeah. watching single cell creatures, uh, watching them behave, watching them locomote, watching them move, the different mechanisms of locomotion. Yeah, and watching them, watching them eat that that whole process of engulfing. I think of uh, slime molds as well, another oh, yeah. kind of a big scale engulfer, you know. Yeah. Uh, they, it's like a huge amoeba. It's like a huge amoeba. Yeah. And they perplexed taxonomists forever. Yeah. So we threw them in the junk drawer. Of, uh, Protista. of Protista. and Mixomycota yeah. and some others. They eat and move kind of like a single-celled eukaryote. Yeah. I am single-celled, but multinucleated. Yeah. But
0: underneath is sort of phagocytosine, all sorts of. Little microbes. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Amazing creature. And so good at this. Would you, would you saw, would you, you would call these pseudopods as well in this, in the slime mold or they have a, they probably have a different term because it's so much larger.
0: It it is so large. It is big plasmodium, but it is doing endo, it's doing some kind of um, endocytosis uh, on the underside of it as it's creeping along through the forest leaf litter. But yeah, it's just so many ways of obtaining energy including when when you touch on photosynthesis but yeah making your own food from co2 and water is fantastic you don't have to eat you just absorb co2 and water and uh, build co2 has got carbon oxygen and uh, water's got hydrogen and oxygen and you do a very 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 uh, complex um, series of biochemical events yeah using light energy to drive it and you make you make sugar, sugar. And it's a pretty amazing and then we take the sugar if you know if we just to simplify we take the sugar and do the exact opposite yeah and break it down into co2 and water so they take co2 and water and make sugar we take Co we take sugar and break it into co2 and water uh it's just Almost like it was planned yeah Will. the integra-
1: yeah the, <laughs> the, the the integration uh, of yeah. molecular biology amongst and, and across species is just so it's so fabulous yeah um, at every point uh, any molecular machine is kind of is, is shocking yeah in and of itself yeah so uh we'll maybe get into photosynthesis another time here yeah but decomposition you know I and uh, I'll just mention one last thing. It's it's a joy to watch any creature eating, yeah. And it's just it it's a it's a fun thing to observe. You can't of of course d- directly observe a lot of this ex- extracellular and microscopic eating necessarily, but it's a fun thing to watch creatures eat and just think about what's going on there. Yeah, right? they of course they're doing much more than sometimes just it's gruesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still it in this, is so
0: fascinating, and uh, yeah, we just yeah mindful of a fallen world especially if it's eating another living animal but
1: so yeah. all this matter this matter it just makes its <laughs> way right through us yeah hey good chatting with you today yeah. gordon
0: it has been great
1: and well, we look forward to hearing from you guys too you know we got we had a couple requests of topics and so keep those coming uh, yeah. we've got one or two on the docket here yeah um, coming up from uh from listeners and so we'd love to hear from you of topics that we haven't covered or more details you'd like to hear about or or stories Mm -hmm. that you want us to look into. So yeah, we look forward to that. Great. All right. We'll see you next time. We'll see
0: you next time. Bye, Will. Adios. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N-O-E-O science.com.